I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Make some noise, Orange fans! It's time for the Juice Nation Podcast with Sean and Joe. Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Q's Nation Podcast. All right, what's up, Q's Nation? Welcome to episode 36 of the Q's Nation Podcast with Sean and Joe. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Play Music. I'm Sean alongside my buddy Joe. Joe, what's going on, bro? What's going on, Sean? How you doing? I'm not too bad for a Monday. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, we want to be the number one podcast for Syracuse Sports, so if you would, please subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes, preferably, or anywhere, really, but iTunes, preferably, that would be awesome. Thanks in advance for that. And we are also on uh, YouTube, but I mean, I don't know why you would listen to a podcast on YouTube, but we're there. So <laughs> <laughs> it's for later things, I suppose. We can just use it for whatever. But... Um, this is your FSU preview show, episode 36. And if you are like me and you watched FSU play Boston College on Saturday afternoon, you'd be thinking to yourself, where's FSU? <laughs> Nobody showed up. Their offense scored three points. They look beat in the, in the middle of the second quarter, sitting on the bench like a bunch of, bunch of boobs staring off into space. I mean, what happened to this team, Joe? Oh, jeez. It's awful. You, I mean, they're not awful. It's what happened on what Friday night was awful. That's for sure. They definitely gave up. I mean, that was obvious, like you said. But um Oh, that was Friday night, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was Friday night. Yeah, game, my yeah. bad. You're right. You're right. My bad. Um yeah, go on. I'm sorry. No, I'm just, it's, it was obvious that they, you know, I mean, first off, you got to kind of give credit to Boston College because oh, last three, last three games, they've been unbelievable on offense and they've always been a pretty good defensive team. Um, and they're currently three and three in the conference and five and four overall. So they jumped into third place in our ACC Atlantic division. So they're not, they're not a slouch anymore, especially now that their offense has come around. And I don't know, Florida yeah. State's just ugh, two and five. Two and five. I mean, um, it, you know, an offense that put up, what was it, uh, 213 yards of total offense. But if you take away one of the um, halfback acres, our running back acres through a pass for uh, 43 yards or something, 47 yeah. yards. So that only leaves them with 166 yards of total offense, and they only put three points on the board. 
Um, but like you said, in defense of Boston College, I mean, they were on it. Their defense was on it. Um, they played great, and they were probably underrated at the beginning of the year. Um, Anthony Brown was only the Boston College quarterback was only six for twenty though for f- just an awful fifty four yards. Yeah, they ran all over them. Yeah, they did. They ran for two hundred forty three yards and and put up three touchdowns running. So, you know, I mean, you can go kind of either way on, on that on on the on the BC offense, but they did run all over FSU's defense, and not for anything, it was a Boston College home game. So, but, um, to my point though, they just looked, they, my main point, I guess, is that, um, they just didn't show much heart. I don't think FSU just like their attitude looks just, you can see it on their faces, man, when they, when they're playing and it's just not FSU form. So, uh, I'll take it though. You said last week you'd rather have them lose. I was wondering if maybe I'd rather have them win and um, kind of get off the schneid a little bit, but you said you'd rather get them beat, a little beat up and lose, and it happened. They got beat up, yeah. too. Blackman was getting yeah. hit, and he seemed rattled almost the entire game. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah, it, that um, the, the thing with Florida State, man, is that it's not – there's still a bunch of four- and five-star kids with great coaching. Um, the beginning of the year, the first game of the season, they played in Alabama – and um, they lost their starting quarterback for the year the, for the opening game and lost 24 to seven. And then they had a long layoff because of the, the hurricane. Um, and uh, they missed a, a game against Louisiana Monroe, which probably would have been another win, maybe, you know, a little confidence booster for the quarterback, but um, that game got canceled. I don't even think it's going to end up getting played. Uh, but you know, if you look at the, the rest of their season, I mean, without their Starting quarterback, they lost to NC State by six, beat Wake Forest by seven, lost to Miami by four, beat Duke by seven, lost to Louisville by three, and then, you know, obviously this Boston College game. So as you sit back as a Syracuse fan, you think, oh, Florida State's down. Florida State's, you know, but they haven't blown out anybody. But they haven't you know, been blown out either. And, other and up until other up until Boston College, right, they haven't been exactly. blown out either. So they still are a team full of four and five star guys. I mean, I was watching something today. Uh, they said something like there's like five, six NFL players on their defense. Um, so, but another thing I heard also was that um, just from sources that uh, a lot of the players kind of have given up on the season and, and going to a good bowl and care more about their their NFL stock. NFL draft stock. So there's uh, some unselfish playing going on and obviously through injuries and the fact that they're not used to losing that much. So it's kind of chaotic down there, but either way with that talent, it's not to say that they can come out and put a game together. So, yeah, yeah, you can see it. I mean, it shows, you know, that they've given up. I mean, they just have no, there's no passion there at all for football. Um, Now just let's get to, all right, here, here's key. Here's key. And this is it. This is the story of the Syracuse Orange entire season. Get defense, get off the field on third down, and offense, control the pace of the game. And you beat Florida State. I said that this was my upset pick for a bowl game back in the beginning of the year a few weeks ago. Uh, I no longer think it's an upset. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but... Not really. Yeah, I a think huge it's upset. gone to four and four and a half now. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Since it opened, it's growing. So. Oh, okay. Well, 
I mean, so maybe it will be an upset, but just when you look at the when you look at the level of play, uh, I don't think they can match Syracuse's energy on either side of the ball. And you know, I hope they don't prove me wrong because I'll look like a fool. I've been saying this for so long, but you know, if they do what they've been doing, I don't see a problem with Florida State. They got the home crowd with them. Their home crowds, their home crowds crush too, though. Yeah. So, it's it's difficult for fans. It's difficult for everybody, and that's really why this this game's so up in the air. Is because are they going to be able to match our want? Absolutely not. But are we going to be way. able to yeah. match their talent overall? And that's an absolutely not. So when it comes down to it, like you said, it's who wants it more. And if for some crazy reason Jimbo Fisher pulls a magic speech out of his, you know what. <laughs> yeah, it gets right. these guys motivated then uh, like I said if, if a motivated unselfish Florida State team comes and plays then we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. They can absolutely beat us by more than, you know, just as well as all the other losses that we've had. But if they, the same Florida State that we've seen comes out and eventually just gives in to the fact that we want it more than them, as long as we don't have crazy amount of mistakes, then I think that we'll be fine. It's, yeah, we can't have four turnovers in the first half. Um, absolutely not. But, but, you know, Miami, far better team than, than Florida State right now. And yeah. um, we hung with Miami with four turnovers in the first half. So, I mean... To me, well, and Florida State was there too. I mean, Miami wanted the last play of the game type situation against Florida State, so yeah. they've had some devastating losses as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, I just think, in my opinion, you know, it's clear they they they're acting beat. They look beat. I don't know if how many more magical speeches uh, Coach Fisher could pull out of his hat, but um, he better come up with a good one. So yeah. I'm sure he's had some motivating speeches, uh, you know, leading in all the way up to the Boston College game. So, you know, it, it is what it is. And we'll see. Do we have a time for that game? Was Did I see three th- or 2.30? No, I think it's uh, 12.20. 12.20. Okay. All right. 12.20. 12.20. Yeah. And 
Another couple of just uh, notables, too. Uh, Kendall Coleman is going to be back, and he was our starting defensive end that got hurt first quarter at LSU. So this is the first time he'll be back um, since the LSU game. And also uh, our safety from the first game who got hurt, Antoine Cordy, and uh, the other backup safety, uh, Jordan Martin, they are both out for the year. And that was that was all uh, put out there today. So All right. All right. Yep. Well, now we just have some NCAA news to go over with these NCAA schmucks and suits. Now, uh, Coach Beheim was asked about the violations to do with North Carolina. We never really touched on it. I, I, we might have mentioned it in passing one episode of how ridiculous it was. But you had these paper classes for 18 years. The only reason that they weren't, you know, the NCAA's defense, actual defense of not giving them any hell for this, is that the classes were open to everybody. So anybody could have joined, and there was probably a couple, right? I think there was a couple. Oh yeah. But but it was set, it was set up for athletes to to outrageous percentage of those classes were athletes. So yeah, exactly. And you know it was a breeze through class. We all know this. So coach was asked about it, and he said. Um, he said, where is it? I have a quote here. Um, after the orange was hit hard with the NCAA president, it, the coach was asked about NC State, and he said, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to comment on any of that, Beheim said when he was asked about the disproportionate penalties. But as you mentioned many times in your writings, uh, head coach responsibility, that didn't apply to North Carolina. Screamingly obvious, and I'm surprised that you, in particular, haven't been all over that. I'm supposed to know about a 10-page paper, and they don't know about 18 years of a fake class. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, Beheim on the NCAA rules, he is quoted as, quote, Well, it certainly, it certainly applied differently, unquote. And it absolutely did. I mean, you could come up with any cockamamie defense of this you want, but it's clear the whistleblower was a student who said, Hey, look! I've got a degree now. I can't do anything with it. Uh, no, the whistle, the whistleblower was a yeah, an athlete that ended up saying something, but then he didn't testify. So I wonder oh, okay. what happened there. Uh, right, exactly. A little little uh, under yeah. the table, under the table. North, North Carolina, they spent eighteen million dollars, according 18 to uh, million dollars. Eighteen million dollars in lawyer fees to get that taken care of. Give me so a speak. break. The NCAA, yeah. the NCAA is they're they're so corrupt they're so yeah. corrupt. they're just as corrupt as our government it's the government <laughs> it's the only thing i could compare them to yeah right they're yeah. almost as big too i mean it's this it's a smaller scale but, i know yeah. i'm kidding i'm kidding obviously but it's like money money will get you anything yeah it's like you know, you can lobby the government for pretty much anything you want. You find the right politician. Well, you can lobby the NCAA to get you out of anything. You find the right guy and you just give them the right amount of money. All right. Yeah. So on to the next one. This one fascinates me, and I didn't heard about it until Joe brought it up to me today. Uh, NC State freshman Braxton Beverly was ruled ineligible for going to school. <laughs> for going to school in the summer. Um, Thad Matta abruptly left Ohio State this summer. Incoming freshman Braxton Beverly was granted his release from the Buckeyes and transferred to North Carolina State. Um, he actually once scored 70 points in a, in a single high school game, which is phenomenal, even for high school. Yeah. Um, he hadn't played for the Buckeyes. 
and he'd only been going to school for a few weeks, and I believe it was during the summer. This doesn't yep. say. Yes, it does. Okay, summer classes. And um, he was deemed ineligible by NCAA standards for taking classes in the summer. Why? I don't know. It makes absolutely no sense to deem someone ineligible for an entire year for for taking classes in the summer. And if that's not absurd enough, uh, there was another one. Uh, what was his name? It was a VC. Was it a VCU transfer? Lavar Bats, and he was he was um, deemed ineligible after he he got injured after playing a couple minutes in a, in the start of a game, and they ruled that he played the whole year. They counted his seven minutes before the injury of his ankle in the 2015 season, which they counted as a full year of play. So when <laughs> so. When he transferred, he was deemed ineligible, too. Both of those happened to NC State. That's absurd, Jeez. man. You think some of these rules need to be looked at again? I mean, that's, that's, that's cockamamie, man. Well, I know that when you transfer from, like, an equal division, an equal, like, uh, like Division One to Division One, Division Two to Division Two, type, when it's equal competition, equal, equal level, then uh, you're supposed to sit out a year. But Terry Henderson thing, was but, his name. I'm sorry. Go on. Terry, Terry Henderson. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, a lot of times like graduate senior, uh, senior transfers and then transfers, if a coach gets fired, they usually get the benefit of the doubt and they don't make them sit out a whole year. So, I mean, that's basically the rule that they were going off of. And just because he took the summer classes and he got to school early, um, and worked out for the with the team in the summer and everything, and, and tried to get some credits in. He basically got hurt because of that. So right. Well, it's just it's, it just doesn't seem like it's the yeah I don't know like when they take care about the students and the, and the education and stuff, then something like that shouldn't be a big deal, you know. Yeah, if they if they cared about the students as much as they say they did, they care about no, that's not even true. They don't care about the students. No. If they did, they wouldn't have all these freaking rules. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy to sit here and see all the stuff that's just. It's like, it's someone's job to make rules in the NCAA. That's an actual job that someone's got to do. And if they stop making rules, then their, their job becomes pointless. R- right? I mean, if you're not doing something you're, you're supposed to be doing, then your job becomes pointless. So they have to come up. Yeah, with but the consistency of the punishment is the problem with everybody. Yeah, you know? and that's that's true too. That's the main problem. You're right. That's, that's the huge problem. That's a huge so. problem. Exactly. I mean, Syracuse doesn't have. No, at least at least we don't got to worry about that anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, well, you know, Syracuse doesn't have like to say eighteen million dollars to pay for lawyers' fees. Syracuse doesn't no. have that. They don't have that. They could never do that. No. Which is why we got shellacked. <laughs> right. Probably, I mean, probably. Probably yeah. not enough money changed hands, and then. That is uh, that is just obvious to me, but I mean it's all speculation, of course. So whatever. Um, all right, Joe, let, give me a little, give me a little Syracuse basketball preview. We've done ACC Media Day. Uh, we've got we got a preseason game coming up. You said Wednesday, right? In two days. Yeah, November first. Yeah. Yeah, November first. So is that? Do you know if that's going to be on ESPN three or anything, or are we going to just have to track that on? I don't know. I I think last year um, the exhibition games were. I think you could watch them on uh, 
Cuse TV, but I think you also had to buy it for like five or seven dollars or something like that. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. Cuse TV is their YouTube page, so they'd probably yep. they they probably go live with that or something. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I think it's like South New Ham Southern New Hampshire. I think is who we're playing. So it's not like you know, it's well, not a game that's going to count toward our record. It's more of like you know a scrimmage type. So right. So. We have we don't really know the, the 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 starting five isn't set in stone yet and it hasn't really been announced obviously so I asked Joe because Joe's um, way better than me at this stuff and he gave me his his top five in no particular order Tyus Battle six foot six sophomore uh, came in coming into this year averaging eleven point three points per game last season as one of the guards Joe's picking to start. Um, I, I agree with that one. It gets a little fuzzy after this, but, but, yeah. but I agree. I agree with that. Uh, coaches said that he's been working hard. Um, he's, he's improved. He's stronger. He's getting more physical. He's got more confidence and he was dangerous last year. So yeah, uh, what do you think, he's going to be one of the better players in, in the ACC. That's for sure. You think so? You think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you got anything to add for, for no, battle? I mean, I just, I think he's probably going to be gone going to the NBA after this year. Yeah, so I would agree. Yeah. I think that's the type of season that we're, we're looking forward to his battle, especially since there's not so many people around him to take shots away from him. So he's going to have every opportunity to score and be the, uh, the leader of this team. So, right. Exactly. And we talked about leadership a lot last year. No one took the reins once right. in a while, once in a while you thought it was battle though. No, and I mean he's only a true sophomore, but he's and because of the people that we have coming back um, and how young we are, he's got every. I mean, if he wants it, the opportunity's there. So um, just gotta grab it. Your the next guard you 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 picked was Frank Howard. He only yep. started what fourteen games last year. Uh, he, he had you know he missed the off season, underwent surgery. Uh, six foot five junior coach said he's getting better, but I mean that's not saying a whole lot in my opinion. Uh, we'll see what we, he can do. I think he's improved. Coach said his shooting. He's shooting the ball better. So, um, you know, Frank Howard's one of those guys I had high expectations for, and um, he just hasn't shown it to me, to be honest with you yet. But I like him. Uh, I want to see him obviously succeed, and I think you're probably right for putting him there. But what do you say? Well, he started last year, and Jim uh, Jim Bam gave him every opportunity to to seize hold of the position until John Gillen was just better. And he did have an injury that he was fighting through, but um, I just see him as like um, Bayheim. He uh, compared him to Scoop Jardine as far as being kind of a late kind of bloomer type, you know, one of those guys that really didn't do too much early in his career, but last one or two years of his career, he was. he was pretty good, and um, there's been times. I mean, he's shown flashes. I just have certain little things. Like I've noticed that you know he gets frustrated and makes a bad play, and then that always pretty much turns into the very next possession him following somebody because he's angry and it's just self control. He has a yeah, self control. Yes, he's got a self control problem. He's got to yeah. get hold of his emotions and understand that there's another play after that one. And um, as long as he can do that and stay out of his own head, I mean, I think that he could definitely surprise some people because he definitely has. The, the right size for that 2-3 zone. I mean, yeah. if you imagine 6-5 six, and 6-6, six, six, if those are the starters on the top of the 2-3 zone, I mean, right. that's steals galore. That's fast breaks. He's just – he's got to just be able to – like they say in football, like you got to let the play go because there's going to be another play. And exactly. That's what Move he's got to do. That's exactly. what he's got to do. A little self-control and focus. 
Um, right. Uh, your first wing guy, you got O'Shea Brissett, uh, 6'8", Canadian, coming in for his freshman year. And, you know, he's um, he's hitting three-pointers. Uh, coach said he thinks uh, he's working very hard. He thinks he's gotten better since he's been in Syracuse. Uh, and he has good work ethic. So, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about the guy. I mean, I've watched some, some, um, you know, uh, what do you call highlight it? Tapes. Hi- highlight tapes and stuff like that. And But highlight yeah. tapes are highlight tapes for a reason. Uh, right. So, but he looks smooth. He looks good. Um, what do you say? He, yeah, I think he's going to be the surprise of this season just because nobody really knows, you know, when freshmen come in, you don't know who's ready to go and who's not in. Um, he played in Canada, so I think they kind of hurt him a little bit because I don't think that they look at them as playing as good a competition. So a lot of times they traditionally don't get ranked as high as, as some of the kids in the United States. But if I'm not mistaken, he was the player of the year in, in high school basketball in Canada. And um, he uh, he can hit threes and he can drive. Um, he's going to be, I mean, <laughs> from everything that I hear, um he he's going to be pretty special, and he's going to surprise a lot of people, kind of like Torian Thompson last year. Yeah, I mean, if, Torian, if Torian Thompson would have stayed out of foul trouble last year, uh-huh. he was a double 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 guy as a true freshman. All day. So yeah, totally. So this guy's um, and he and the thing is too is that he loves to play defense. He loves to hustle. He's not going to be that that lazy guy on defense. Um, so overall, I think that uh, that he's going to be a player, and it's going to be uh, one of the one of the better. One of those players that just fans fall in love with. That would be my guess as far as uh, if there's a player like that, a newcomer coming in, it's probably going to be him. All right. Well, um, on the other side, you picked uh, Matthew Moyer, uh, redshirt freshman, 6'8", 125 pounds. That's a lot of height and not a lot of meat. Nope. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, coach said he's benefited from being here for a year. Obviously, he's getting he's know, he knows the zone. He's been able to watch it. He's been able to watch the – you know, the team last year. So, and he's improved on his shooting. So, and coach said he's the most experienced forward they got. So what do you say? Uh, yeah, it's pretty sad that that's the most experienced forward we have. But <laughs> I know, I know. <clears throat> he played, um, he had every opportunity last year. It was between him and Torian Thompson and who was going to get the minutes that were available. And, um, during the preseason, Moyer played a lot, um, in non-conference games, early non-conference games, but he got a foot injury early, and um, Torian Thompson was was more physically ready to play, and he ended up sitting out majority of the year. So they just figured redshirt him. But um, you think two fifteen is bad? He was <laughs> way less than that, so he's had a really? year to put on weight. Um, but he does he did practice by the end of the year last year, and he does know the zone, and he is uh, very physical as far as going up and getting rebounds and stuff. I don't know how much scoring we can uh, rely from him. I mean, he'll get some dirty points, buckets off of um, boards and stuff like that. But I think he's going to pride himself more on defense and rebounding. And um, I just uh, hope that he can um, play within himself and not try to do too much early and then gain confidence and see, see what he can do. All so right. that's, that's the kind of player I, I see him. Good. As. Okay. Um, your last one down low. Seven foot two center, Chukwa missed a lot of the season last year. I think he played in just seven games. Transfer from Providence, he uh, he had a torn retina, and yeah. he's getting used to playing with goggles. So he says <laughs> he says he hates them, but he's getting used to playing with them. And uh, 
it's a sight to see. Here's a picture of him right here with some goggles on. But hey, uh, you tear a retina, man. You wear goggles. You know? Oh yeah. That's what you oh, do, yeah. right? So yeah. Chukwa down low. Didn't get to really show us a whole lot last year. He's got the height. He's a big guy. He's a muscular guy. Um, I mean, what do you think, Joe? Right, is he gonna is he gonna be able to is he gonna be able to what we really needed lately is muscle down there and we just haven't had a uh, lot of, haven't had a lot I mean, of strength down low. Well, from what I see, we only have two players that um, can play the middle. And it's um it's him and it's Barama Sidibi and um he's a freshman uh, coming in and he actually has gotten he actually played really good in the scrimmage and um they say the Syracuse coaches are really surprised um about how how actually like polished he kind of is on some of the things that they didn't think he was and they said he's really active in the middle of the zone um. Only reason I say Pascal Chukwa is because of his size and the fact that he's been there. So, and I think that he's going to be, um, he's going to be first in line as far as allowing to be able to to, to start. So, but I think they're both going to get minutes in the middle. Um, I don't think that's a one man role. I don't think that no, one's going to be overly better on offense or defense. Um, maybe I mean. Uh, you, I haven't really seen Barama play too much, so you never know. You might be a diamond in the rough for all we know, but. For right now, I look at it as just a, a, it's a two-man team as far as just clogging that middle and not allowing easy baskets. But I don't think we're going to rely on any of them very heavily for points. So, well, coach, coach praised um, Sadib and said that um, he's got great defensive instincts. He also he compared him to Bay Musaketa. So, yeah, so they're kind, that's of, really, they're kind of both that's, lanky like that, you know? Right. Yeah, and yeah. and also too. Um, that's kind of just what I've been throwing out there, just seeing how Bayheim's done it as far as in the beginning of the season, starting with uh, the exhibition games and non-conference. He usually starts off with the more experienced guys and stuff. But everyone's going to play. I know that there's a certain amount of games you're allowed to play in before you say you can redshirt them or not. So everyone's going to play. And um, I know that I've also heard, too, like Geno Thorpe, the um, graduate transfer from um, South, South Florida. Florida. Yeah, he's a six three six four guy, and uh, Beheim talked about how impressed he was with. Um, they didn't know how tenacious he was on defense, and the fact that he actually plays defense, and he's actually a really good fit in the zone. So he's aggressive, um, right? And he's he's going to be able to score as well. Um, so he uh, he also talked about the fact that um, if teams go small or if, if if they need some scoring options and stuff like that, they're talking about having Frank Howard and Geno Thorpe play the guards up top and move Tyus Battle, who's 6'6", down to the to the wing and going a little small with uh, Battle at the wing, O'Shea Bursette, or a Moyer on the other wing with uh, Chukwa or, or Sidibe in the middle. Yeah. Um, more, so, more options this year for sure, if, if you're going to pull a positive away. Right. And more there's versatile a lot of, players, you know. Right. And, and there's a lot of guys, too. You have to look at it. Frank Howard – he was kind of highly touted. People have been – I mean, this is his time. Yeah, if he comes yeah, out he and lays to. an egg, then it's going to be a long season. Well, it's gonna be, but if he comes – Do you think Thorpe starts for him if he goes out and starts picking up where he left off last year or what? He he very well could. But, you know, that's the whole thing is – you. We, I mean, a lot of times they talk about having good guards is, is what helps teams, good defense, good guards. If we can, you know, have – we're going to need – we haven't had proven – we don't have – we lost a lot of our proving – Proving scoring, so right. 
we're going to have to play teams very, very like in the high fifties, low sixties, our defense is going to have to be the focal point is getting stops. And, but if Frank Howard can come out of his shell, the way that we've seen him inconsistently do, if he can become consistent and then you have Tyus battle, who's like a lot of people are saying he's going to the NBA after this year. And then you have a Geno Thorpe who shot almost 38% from three pointers last year. He's a graduate senior. I mean, you got three guards that you can throw out on the court and, with other big guys who are athletic and can make some plays, I mean, you can you can make some things happen. Right. So, I don't know. We got picked uh, to finish tenth in the ACC, and I, think I just we can do better. Than I'm that. just ex- I'm excited to see what we have. I think yeah, that other 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 people that we didn't um, talk about, uh, Marek Doljaz, he um, from Slovenia. He he's tall, but he's got guard skills. He's still kind of up in the air as far as I haven't heard too much about him. I wouldn't be surprised if he redshirts along with Howard Washington, the other guard um, from Canada. And they're not saying that Howard Washington's bad, but if Frank Howard plays the way that you know he's supposed to, and, and we have that three guard rotation, then he should be able to redshirt as well. So yeah. I'm excited to see the the rotation and how the newcomers are playing. Um, yeah, I'm excited so. too. Hopefully, hopefully we can all tap into that that preseason game that's going to be coming up Wednesday. Evening, right? I'm assuming it's Wednesday evening. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, of course, it's at the Dome, right? It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to go there. Um, all right. There it is. That's Joe's That's Joe's top five. Battle, Howard, Brissett, Moyer, and Chukwu. All right. That's it. That's all we got. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Well, thanks. This has been episode 36. Remember to go to facebook.com forward slash Cuse Nation podcast. Thumb us up there. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. For Joe, I am Sean. This has been episode 36. We'll see you next time. Later. You just heard the Q's Nation podcast with Sean and Joe.